You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. This is the CRM Archaeology Podcast. It's the show where we pull back the veil of cultural resources management archaeology and discuss the issues that everyone is concerned about. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the CRM Archaeology Podcast, episode 126 for December 20th, 2017. I'm your host, Chris Webster, recording this intro on my iPhone because life happens. On today's show, we talk about life without a shippo in your state and what about CRM really is and what it means. Nothing too serious. So get out your pipes and whiskey or your drink of choice for this high-level conversation because the CRM Archaeology Podcast starts right now. All right, welcome to the show, everyone. Joining me today is Stephen in Calgary. Hello. And Doug in Scotland. Hey, everyone. All right, so today, uh, first, I, before we get on to the show, I want to thank uh, Stephen for doing an awesome job hosting episode 125. If you heard our last episode, he hosted episode 125, brought in a couple of guests. I mean, hit the ground running, too, Stephen. You, you, you had like, I don't know, six six people total or something like that on the recording. <laughs> it was a lot of tracks to manage and edit, but, it uh, but it was great. Yes. And it seemed to, yeah, it seemed to go well though. Um, yeah, no, it was a good episode and, uh, it's, um, it, it's not, I don't know, managing that many people and keeping the conversation going, uh, is not as easy as, as our editing makes it sound sometimes, uh, and, and making sure everybody's included and, and has a voice in the conversation and things like that. Um, it's a, it's a, it can be a difficult process. It's a little easier when there's just the three of us, uh, and there's and we all know what we're doing. But uh, when you bring in two guests and then you have our co-hosts and things like that, it gets to be a complicated thing. So it's not a it's not an easy task. Um, I'll, I'll all right, it. so, uh, so yeah, the, uh, and this is kind of pulling the curtain aside a little bit. Um, we're, <laughs> we're using new software as of a couple episodes uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so like the second time I'd ever used it, and then on top of it, since it's kind of running through the browser. Uh, to go to the show notes, which is also in a different tab in my browser. I had to like switch back and forth because <laughs> I don't have uh, multi-headed capabilities here at home. So mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of like like mashing my trackpad back and forth as quickly as possible to try to see stuff. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And honestly, uh, for anybody that's interested, we're using Zencaster. And this that show, I mean, that wouldn't have been possible without Stephen having a bunch more software on his computer. Um, without Zencaster, so I appreciate that we were using that and we were able to do that um, because it, it it enables us to record better and, and in a more easy, fluid fashion. Um, if you're just recording everything on your home computer, there's there was a lot more steps that would have needed to have been involved. With Zencaster, it makes it all pretty easy, uh, honestly, compared to the uh, the alternative. So. Okay, um, we've got a few things we're going to talk about today, as I mentioned in the introduction, and these are born out of some Facebook discussions. And if you're on Facebook, uh, please go check out the uh, the Archeo Field Text group and it's A-R-C-H-A-E-O space field space text. Uh, and then check out the North American Archeological Tech Forum as well. Uh, there's a lot of really good conversations that happen in there. And I'd really like to combine the two because I honestly don't see the difference. But, uh, and, and the, the biggest reason is I know a handful of people, and this happened with this conversation, they posted the same initial starting point, uh, whether it was an article or just a, you know, a, a call to action or whatever it is in both groups. And then some people are in one group and some people are in another group and the conversation kind of goes two different directions. Uh, but I, I mean, 
that's fine for those people in that group. But if you're trying to manage that conversation and, and follow it, like if you started it, it can get real confusing because <laughs> I've done that before. I typically only post in Archeo Field Text, quite frankly, just because I want to keep it in one spot. So um, there's more members there. So go check that out. Um, I moderate both groups. I'm not the only one. There's other moderators, but I moderate both of them. And, uh, you know, if you're if you're an archaeologist and you want to come in and have that conversation, then we'll let you right in. So um, but they are closed groups. So you have to ask for uh, for entry. But um, anyway, one of the first discussions and we're not going to get into the details on this necessarily because that's not what we want to talk about. But one of the discussions is about the Minnesota SHPO office moving from the Minnesota State Historical Society, which is a common place for SHPOs to be. I took a look at, at SHPOs across the country and a lot of them are in historical society offices and buildings uh, and they're moving to the admin buildings um, to the admin offices for the state. So uh, there's basically concern over, you know, what's going to happen during that intermediate period? What about funding? What are they going to do while they're moving? You know, is, is all, you know, ship a review and stuff like that going to come to a halt for a little while? Uh, and what does that look like? But one of the conversations that took off from this was a little bit higher level discussion about well, what if there is no SHPO? Um, you know, what if your state has no SHPO? What if your state decides to, I mean, this happened, uh, almost happened in in, uh, uh, in Nevada here one time is the SHPO was almost defunded, basically. <laughs> they, they didn't have their funding approved. And I just wanted to have that conversation with you guys. You know, what is, what is, what is this talking about? Um, you know, what are we talking about with all this? What is the what is the point of the shipo? What does the shipo do, and what happens if we don't have a shipo? How does that uh, how does that default? But um, Stephen, I know you're a little bit more um, a little bit more familiar with with what's going on uh, in Minnesota, and maybe you can just shed a little bit more light on uh, enough of that situation so we can have this conversation and understand what we're talking about with shipo. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm that much more familiar because I think that uh, we've yeah. been getting a lot of our information from the, the same posts. Yeah, generally, as I understand it, there, there was legislation uh, put in place in Minnesota to move the SHPO from the uh, Minnesota Historical Society to a different branch of the state uh, government, the administration. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, from what I understand from, you know, various back channel conversations is that uh, there's not a lot of transparency in how exactly this is going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, you know, like, do they have a plan? Do they, um, you know, do, do they know what they're doing or is everything just going to like, you know, are they just hoping that it'll just all turn out? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I think most of, most of the concern is, um, you know, more, more a fact that, you know, uh, people on the outside haven't heard anything and are, you know, you know, as we tend to do, we just automatically assume the worst and, you know, uh, worry about it. And, and, you know, to be honest, any change is going to cause some, you know, some turbulence, right? Mm -hmm. So um, things, you know, it's pretty much guaranteed that, you know, as soon as the office moves, you know, reviews uh, are going to be a little shaky um, from, you know, at first while while they kind of sort through whatever their process is. Um, You know, that's assuming that they're just changing the, moving the duties. Mm -hmm. If they're actually, you know, like moving people and the offices and and all the, you know, existing infrastructure, there might not be any turbulence at all. I I really don't know exactly what's moving. Mm -hmm. And, And maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe nobody else does either. Um, at this point. 
Right, right. And so let's take that discussion, you know, like we said, uh, into a little bit higher level. What um, let's let's talk a little bit, I guess, about what uh, shippos do, uh, you know, so people know that because we all we all think we know the answers to these questions sometimes, but when we really sit and think about it, you know, do we actually know the answers to these questions, um, you know, fully, or is it just uh, you know information we all think we know. So I've got some links in the show notes for this. Um, a lot of stuff from the Advisory Council on Historic Preservation, some things from the, uh, it's called NC SHPO, which is the National Conference of State Historic Preservation Officers. They have their own website and they have uh, a, a lot of really good information. Actually, if you want to know who your SHPO is or any state, you can go in and just click on their, their they've got a nice interactive map actually that's actually really well done that says, uh, you just click on it and it shows you who the SHPO is for that state and who the deputies are, if there are any. Some states have, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight deputies. Um, some states have uh, somebody who specifically does archaeology and somebody who specifically does, say, historic architecture or something like that. And then there's the, you know, the overall SHPO, the, the state historic preservation officer. And uh uh, and some states just have a shippo listed, and I, I don't know if that means they have zero help, and there's like nobody else in that office, <laughs> or if they're just not listed on the website. But some states just have literally one person and nobody else listed as their shippo um, or deputies. So uh, actually, I don't remember what Minnesota had as far as uh, as far as a listing goes, and maybe we can look at that real quick if the uh, if the internet's going to work here. So yeah, let's take a look at Minnesota real fast and see how they're listed. So they list. Uh, a Mr. Stephen Elliott as the shippo, and it says Minnesota State Hist- Minnesota Historical Society right now still, and there's a deputy. Um, so there's a single deputy, and it says that she, uh, Amy Spong, is the director of heritage preservation. So, um, and all this information is is publicly available. Their phone numbers here, their address for the office, their email addresses. If you want to send them a message, um, you can do any of that. It's all publicly available information. So. Okay. Well, let's go over real quick what a SHPO does, because um, I don't think we've ever really had this conversation on uh, on the CRM Archaeology podcast. Um, and I'm just going to highlight a couple of the things here. Um, but SHPOs are uh, federally mandated, um, and it's from the National Historic Preservation Act of 1966. And it says Section 101B here on the uh, NC SHPO page. But as we'll mention later, the sections have actually changed. Um, what you call them has changed uh, because they changed the, the numbering on the regulation to, to fit other things. Um, but anyway, it says every state in U.S. territory is a state historic preservation officer who, with the support of qualified staff, um, are charged with conducting comprehensive survey of historic properties, maintaining an inventory of historic properties, administering state programs of federal assistance, identifying and nominating eligible properties to the National Historic Register, advising and assisting federal, state, and local governments in matters of historic preservation, preparing and implementing a statewide historic preservation plan, providing public information, education, training, and technical assistance. Uh, the that, that one's a little interesting to me. Anyway, working with local governments in the development of local historic pre- preservation programs and help them become, quote, certified local governments, uh, and then provide consultation for federal undertakings under the Section 106 provision of the National Historic Preservation Act. And one other thing I want to mention before we go too much farther uh, is something that I don't think a lot of people know because of the way we talk about this, and I, I found this out I think it was a year or two ago when I was looking this up. Uh, the Section 106 process, as we call it, comes from, you know, literally paragraph Section 106, it's called, um, Section 106 of the National Historic Preservation Act. However, all the numbering changed um, to fit with the U- United States Code. So now it's technically 54, it's Title 54 of the United States Code, 
Section 306.108. And at the end of the National Historic Preservation Act, and this is linked in the show notes, there's a table that says what the former uh, what the former section designation was and now the current section designation. So you can find what you're looking for in the old system. If you're looking for Section 110, for example, it'll tell you what the new regulation is. Uh, section 110 is now this. And Section 106 is now uh, Section 306-108. And I, I was asking Stephen beforehand, I was like, when are we going to change that? Because <laughs> there's books called the Section 106 process. You know, there's the Tom King's made a made a living on the Section 106 process and, and, and telling people about that. What... Uh, you know, how long is it going to take before we tell it something else? I mean, it, it rolls off the tongue a lot better. It's easier to remember. <laughs> than the section 306-108 process? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, agreed. So I don't know. We'll probably end up coming up with a name did, for it. Did 36 CFR 800 get changed? Because it, it might refer still to the uh, 106 process. It does, actually. And I was looking that up this, just this morning. It still it still calls things the 106 process. The ACHP website still calls everything the 106 process. It has, it. it I mean, that's not changed. But somebody that's just coming into this might be going, what, where, did, where are they getting Section 106? Why is this called Section 106? Because if you link to NHPA from the ACHP website, it goes to the new regulation. And you have to go all the way to the end to find out that this used to be called Section 106. Um, that's not, it's not obvious. CF 36 CFR 800 is really, you know, I, I mean, the, the actual uh, section 106 or the, the actual section formerly known as 106, which I, I think is what we should keep calling it, uh, mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, like doesn't really say, w- you know, what we have. To, I mean, they say what we have to do, but now we have not how we have to do it. And 36 mm-hmm. CFR 800 is really the nuts and bolts of what we do. Um, and, and, you know, so, you know, for later on in this discussion about, you know, what do you do without a shippo? I mean, that's, that's laid out. That's already established in, in, in 36 CFR 800. Um, so until they change it in that, um, I don't, I don't see us calling, you know, mm-hmm. s- stopping the call at section 106 because, uh, nine times out of ten, if you ever have to discuss the process with a lawyer, you're talking about the mm-hmm. the, um, the code of federal regulations. You're not talking about um, the the actual act. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you, man. Um, who knows what they're going to call it? Either way, uh, either way, let's uh, let's talk about Shippo some more now that now that we've now that we've kind of laid the groundwork here. Uh, in the last few minutes of this uh, first segment, we're really going to get into it in the second segment, I'm sure. But uh, in the last few minutes of this first segment, what um, what is your understanding, guys? Uh, and and I don't know, maybe Doug, you can go first since uh, since you haven't chimed in yet. What is your understanding of what would happen um, just off the top of your head if there weren't a shippo for a little period of time, if there or or for a long period of time, if a state decided not to provide funding for a shippo, and there was a period of time where Maybe there wasn't a shippo. What 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 is your understanding of, of what would happen? A lawsuit. Um, that's how it first <laughs> started out with. Um, right. Essentially, I because it, it, it's mandated by the law. So essentially, when any government organization does not follow the law, you essentially go to court, and then the courts enforce. Um, the government to follow the regulations or force or they change them um i 
I think in this case we're talking about you know individual states, and it wouldn't it wouldn't be a case of you know them rewriting the entire laws, making it redundant. Um, mm-hmm. Who would sue them? I'm not sure. Maybe it'd be some CRM companies. Maybe someone like SHA. I you know, but at some point someone, right. someone's going to sue them and force them to do it. Um, but. Uh, and that assumes like the state's making a decision. Um, if, if, I don't know, something goes horribly wrong, funding doesn't come in. I, I actually can't really think of many times where you could, you could really get away with not having a ship over a long period of time without changing the entire laws. You know, you, you'd have to go well, back and, and rewrite it. Yeah. I think you could, you could get away with it for a, few months maybe maybe a year or two it just depends on how long for the lawyers to to sue um and in during that time just because there's not someone called a shippo doesn't mean there won't be someone doing shippo like work that's what i really mean too you know what's who's doing that work while there's no shippo yeah i could because i mean in, in I guess when we're talking about Shippo, we should probably talk about like a Shippo separate from a Shippo office. Are we talking about mm-hmm. the entire Shippo office being taken away? Because in a sense, there's all all the time there's Shippos who aren't in. Basically, you know, when there's a turnover, someone quits or retires, or you know, someone gets new newly appointed. There'll, there'll be a period where there isn't actually a Shippo. Um, but there'll be one of their deputies or someone else working in their shippo office who will take over. So uh, when you say, you know, if there wasn't a shippo, you, you mean like the shippo office being completely taken out, right? Yeah, that's what I would assume. If they were defunded, there wouldn't be anybody in the office, regardless of who's in the actual shippo position. There's no office called shippo, you know, if they have no funding, if they shut yeah. their doors. I It depends what would happen in which state. So some states... Um, aren't shippo offices aren't within the state organization? Uh, so like, you know, in New Mexico, it was definitely in the state. It's part of one of the, the historic preservation division. But I believe in Colorado, it's uh the state historical society, um, which is a separate entity. And so you end up with in different states, essentially nonprofits. Uh, taking on the duties of the shippo, um, being funded to do that. So I suspect if the funding went away in certain states, those organizations would still provide some sort of service, though it may be definitely reduced. Um, in certain areas where there's states, mm-hmm. uh, if it was a state office and it got removed, it's hard to tell. Maybe it just gets pushed to some other different division. And someone picks it up, or it might get more complicated because then you have tippos, and maybe one of the tippos uh, stands in for a little while um, while all the mm-hmm. lawsuits are going through. Um, <laughs> but you know, if you guys have different right. ideas of what would happen, I, that's how I'd see it go: is there'd be a lawsuit, and depending on the state, there would be someone who would sort of pick it up and keep everything ticking over while the lawsuits go through. Okay, well, we are going to pick this discussion back up on the other side of the break because uh, we got a lot more to talk about on this. Uh, before I do that, though, since I don't actually have an ad for it, I'll just mention arcpodnet.com forward slash shop and holiday15 as the code to get 15% off 
uh, almost everything in the store. The only thing we can't do is t-shirts because they come from another company. But um, the coffee mugs and stickers and actually podcast training and stuff like that is also included. Anything in the shop uh, is uh, subject to the holiday 15 code. And that code is valid until midnight, well, 11.59 p.m. Pacific time on December 31st. So... Even if you can't get it in time for Christmas, if you're listening to this on the day that it comes out, it's December 20th, I believe, you're probably not going to get a coffee mug by Christmas. I'll ship it as soon as I get the order, but uh, you probably won't get the coffee mug by Christmas. However, uh, you'll get it before the end of the new year, probably uh, before the new year. All right. So we're going to break. Um, Check out this message about our member program, and uh, we'll be back shortly. This network is supported by our listeners. You can become a supporting member by going to arcpodnet.com slash members and signing up. As a supporting member, you have access to high-quality downloads of each show and a discount at our future online store and access to show hosts on a members-only Slack team. For professional members, we'll have training shows and other special content offered throughout the year. Once again, go to arcpodnet.com slash members to support the network and get some great extras and swag in the process. That's arcpodnet.com slash members. All right, we are back with uh, Sierra Mark episode 126, and we're talking about life without a shippo and, and what would happen. And Doug gave us his thoughts. Stephen, what are your thoughts on uh, on on life without a shippo if, if that were to happen? Well, I think it would be a, a very different scenario than what Doug was kind of laying out, um, that that kind of the opposite of, you know, the people doing the job would still be there, and, but, you know, you wouldn't have a shippo. I, I regard it more as um, the other way around where, uh, you know, you, you would have someone who's assigned this shippo position, um, but you wouldn't have, uh, um, you know, like there wouldn't be any funding or, you know, like the actual uh, review and other duties would not necessarily be, be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's actually, you know, in, in 36 CFR 800, that, that's actually laid out. Like the SHPO does not have to, like does not have to participate. Um, they, they can, you know, mm-hmm. you know, just pass on it and leave it to the agencies to, uh, you know, make the determination. So, um, you know, in, in my mind, and, and I, there's nothing a lawsuit could really do about that unless something gets fucked up. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, if it's sort of thing where, you know, like an agency is like, yeah, we, we did our, you know, good faith effort. And, and, but then there's a massive uh, burial or, you know, like cemetery uh, that gets hit during the project, then, you know, I, I mean, lawsuits plenty and, you know, it, it might come down to the, why wasn't there a shippo involved to, you know, provide review. Um, otherwise, yeah, there, there, there's nothing really, I mean, th- there's nothing that you could really sue on because, you know, mm-hmm. a shippo does not have to have to participate in review and, and, right. you know, that, that can happen legitimately in certain ways. Um, the, uh, programmatic agreement that, uh, I think it's, is it Nevada, Utah, uh, the BLM has, um, mm-hmm. I know Nevada has one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so like the the BLM can make the determination without immediate shipper review, and and move ahead. Mm-hmm. That is that, that's typical, or may, if not typical, it, it's it's allowed for. Let's say, let's say it that way. You know the the, the problem there is you know is, is that you know the whole point of having a shippo in in my mind anyway is is that the uh, you know the the shippo review is, is 
in, in some ways kind of like a peer review. You know, it, it allows for another voice to um, to to review what's going on and 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 you know, like if if something's not you know if, if something's not adequate, you know, someone else can be like, well, you, you know, I, I know you normally do good work, but this time, you know, maybe you should have done something more or this, this time, you know, I can't, I can't necessarily agree with, you know, your determinations because I, I think that you overlooked, you know, this particular uh, aspect of, um, you know, the, the properties you're working with. Mm-hmm. So the, the determination goes back to the federal agency, um, which, which, you know, there's still a, a certain amount of review aspect if you're dealing with like a permitted um, sort of driver. So like, you know, if we're putting up, uh, you know, cell towers, for example, and, and it's a private company who's doing the project, but the uh, permit, which, you know, triggers the 106 process or the process formerly known as 106. I think I still say we need to just keep calling it that. <laughs> um, that, that uh, you know, like, that theoretically or ideally the FCC, you know, ha- could do the review on their own to, you know, a- add um, a certain level of, you know, catchment, say, mm-hmm. um, that, that they're doing their diligence by doing their own internal reviews. And so it's not just the archaeologist in the field who's making the call and whatever, we're just running with it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the problem though becomes like if, if it's actually a federal agency that's the proponent right so like if I'm working on you know a military installation and you know as the archaeologist you know is, is like yeah this, this will be just fine and, and, and you know mm-hmm. there's no one there to be you know like um no <laughs> you know <laughs> you, you need that you need that second opinion right um and and i think that's that's where the robustness of um robustness is that the word robustivity <laughs> um but but that's where you know like um the diligence comes in for you know for, for having a shippo you know like the shippo mm-hmm. review helps keep everything kind of on a level playing field and and basically just you know, keep, keeps the field guys honest, like, you know, cause sometimes it's really easy to overlook something or, you know, misinterpret something and having someone, you know, just there as, as you know, for error checking, I guess is, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think that's a good part of the process. Yeah. So I, I assume that they just defunded the position, got rid of it. Not as in they appointed someone who just wouldn't follow through with the work. Right. Well, the, the, pr- the problem is, is like if they're going to defund it, they're going to defund the office staff because most of, you know, a, a good portion of uh, the actual position is funded by federal monies. So, like, mm-hmm. the state's not going to defund, you know, something not they're not paying for. Right. And, and and they are mandated to have it. And it's like, fine, we'll, we'll give it to Joe in, in corner office and run with that. And maybe it would be some of the basic functions of Shippo, like, um, you know, we go to Shippo. I mean, honestly, my only real physical interaction with Shippo here in Nevada uh, most of the time is for site numbers. You know, you get your state site numbers from uh, from Shippo. But otherwise, um, 
uh, and and I guess access to the site uh, the site file system as well is also managed by Shippo, the Nevcris we call it here, and uh, that I get all through Shippo. But other than that, um, I don't have direct interaction with Shippo. I know there's stuff going on behind the scenes, and there's stuff happening with the reports that we're turning in. Um, but honestly. Not a whole lot, other than getting entered into that site file system and you know them putting their putting their stamp on it. Because most of the projects I do are actually in conjunction with BLM. So right, um, and so yeah. because of the program programmatic agreement, um, right? You know, BLM is is um, taking the bulk of the uh, the review process. Right, right, and that's just uh, that's relatively unique to Nevada. Um, not not unique. I mean, there's other states that have that, but Nevada is. I mean, I hear different statistics, but it's at least eighty percent like federal land, <laughs> BLM or Forest yeah. Service, something like that. So you know, it's pretty heavily uh, heavily slanted that way. But a lot of states back east, especially, don't even have uh, you know really a BLM or anything like that. I mean, it's all state or private land. Well, they, they um. You know, and, and I mean, I'm and I'm thinking the Midwest, so I'm not like too far east, mm-hmm. but uh, um, that you know, there, there's Forest Service, there's um, national parks, there's you know, there, there are a lot of federal agencies that manage land, not just mm-hmm. you know the BLM, right? Um, and, yeah. and there are BLM offices uh, throughout the east, but the, you know, the parcels of land are considerably smaller, obviously, mm-hmm. um, and and yeah, so. You know, and, and any one of them can come up with, you know, a program programmatic agreement for, you know, uh, an alternative review process. Um, as long as they're maintaining the, you know, the core functions of uh, 106, that they're actually considering the effect of their actions. Mm-hmm. You know, they can really, you know, come up with a new plan of how they're going to do it. And um, in, in a lot of cases, um, those plans are designed to kind of offload uh, or, or reduce the workload for both the SHPO and the agency, mm-hmm. right? Um, so you get, uh, you know, uh, and, and part of it is like, it's a huge difference between like, okay, we're going to do this one utility corridor and, and like, okay, everything we do ever is an undertaking because we're the land managers. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and then, you know, like the amount of undertakings is, is, you know, I don't, I don't know if exp- exponentially is the correct word, but it's, it's massively bigger than, um, you know, other types of, you know, the more permitted private land sort of, uh, undertakings. And, and so it, you know, and even then like the FCC, I mean, that that's, they've got their whole, uh, program, programmatic agreement that, um, was kind of off to a rocky start at first. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Okay. And, and, you know, there's other, um, as as we mentioned, there's other functions of of SHPO as well. And possibly if uh, if a state did some sort of defunding um, and wasn't matching, you know, or or adding their own funds to the funds that they're given by, um, you know, by the uh, federal appropriations that they're given, um, then maybe just some of the functions would go away. Like some of that list that we mentioned of, you know, providing public education and uh, and doing some of those other things that are, you know, helping set up the, the local certified governments and things like that. Maybe stuff like that would go away a little bit. Some of the slightly more non-essential features of the SHPO um, that aren't as immediate to really getting things done. Um, maybe that stuff would go away. I don't know. Uh, and then they would just do their base functions. Or, or maybe those more, more essential things. 
um, that you know if well. a, a hippo if a hippo does not have to actually participate in review, mm-hmm. then you know, but they are expected to do give technical advice. I mean, what what is that? What does that entail? Is that like, you know, how technical is you know technical does this advice have to be? Can it be just a bunch of documents on the website mm-hmm. of like here's what to do if you want to restore your historic building without losing its eligibility? Right. You know, like, and I mean, like every every shippo has these things, right? Um, yeah. And the necessary documentation for um, certified local governments and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that might be become the more important aspects because they're also part of the mandate. But you know, um, yeah. there's no opt out for them. Yeah, the, there's. I mean, there's many ways you could cripple a shippo office and still keep it around so that you could avoid. Um, any sort of lawsuits or anything like that. I mean, even just a list of sites. Um, now most shippos have it digitalized, and you know some sort of GIS format, and you're able to access it and stuff like that. They don't have to do that. I mean, they could have a shoebox full of site reports and just say, "Have at it. Figure out where the sites are now." Um, if they wanted to, and they could, I mean, if you took away all the money that they could eventually be forced to, you know, get rid of the current systems they have to allow people to do site record checks. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch of different ways you could cripple a, um, you know, any, any of the functions that any of the shippos currently do, um, or you could do, you could pull sort of a, a Trump, and appoint someone who's, you know, uh, you know, like what do they have at the EPA, the guy who hates the EPA, um, and someone who could eventually just cripple and slow down the entire process or remove whatever functions that they do beyond what's mandated. Um, and even if it is mandated, they doing a review doesn't mean you have to do a review well. Um, and I, you you, know, you can still run into problems where you know you do a review and you miss stuff, and that's just you know that's human nature nature with errors and stuff. But you you could essentially cripple a a, a shippo if you wanted to, and just put in someone there who just said, "Nope, fine, fine, fine. Don't need to do anything. Don't need to do anything. It all looks great." Um, and you you could do a lot of damage if you really wanted to to a shippo office without actually getting rid of it. Yeah, that's uh, that's absolutely true. I think they'd have to decide what's important to um, you know what's what what's what's most important. They'd have to prioritize if some sort of funding issue were to happen, and they were to get rid of it entirely. You know, part of the problem here is we don't really understand. Uh, I guess fundamentally, from a state level, and I want to interview a shippo and kind of get all these uh, get all these questions answered. But uh, we don't really understand from a state level, like what their interaction is. You know, what's their re- relationship with the federal government, the ACHP. Uh, from a funding standpoint and and with their state like if 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 the state decided to not pony up their side of the funds anymore what would that mean um what would that how would that impact the shippo would it would it mean they'd have to leave those offices and find somebody else to go you know what what would what would happen if that were to if that were to be the case and if anybody knows or wants to come in and be on the show um then please do that we are actually going to uh 
And Doug, you'll hold your comment till the uh, till the end of the break. We're going to end this segment real quick so we can come back in segment three and wrap up this discussion about shippos. And uh, and then I want to ask another question as well uh, regarding quote CRM archaeology just to make Tom King's ears bleed. So, all right, back in a second. Hey, podcast listeners, do you find yourself wondering what the latest tablet or smartphone could do for your business? Wonder what GPS to pair with your device? Just trying to figure out how to go digital in the field without breaking the bank and or making a bad investment? Or did you find a technology company to work with, but just aren't sure the questions you need to ask during the initial conversation? Well, you're not alone. There are literally thousands of tech combinations out there, and it can be really tough finding the right one for your business and your workflow. My name is Chris Webster, and I've been working in CRM since 2005, and I've been a tech enthusiast my entire life. I spend my time trying to figure out how to make archaeology more efficient, both technologically and financially. No one is going to give you a big pile of money to do whatever you want with, so you have to make the most of what you have. The right gear can mean the difference between zero margins on that next project and an employee benefits package. That's where DigTech Concierge comes in. Let us be your technology guru. Whether you have just a few questions or want us on retainer 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, we're here to help. With years of experience, tens of thousands of acres of survey done completely digitally, and many, many people trained, DigTech is your tech BFF just waiting to guide you through this process now and through the inevitable changes to come. Should you hold on to those tablets or upgrade? What about the new operating system? Will it crash your apps or can you go ahead and do it? We know the answers and can guide you to a profitable year. Go to www.digtech-llc.com slash tech-concierge to book a consultation or book us for the year. The yearly retainer includes unlimited calls and support and company training on software and gear. That's digtech-llc.com slash tech-concierge. And concierge is C-O-N-C-I-E-R-G-E. To get going and go digital today. Call us before you make any decisions. We've been there before. Okay, we are back for the final segment of episode 126 of the Sierra Archaeology podcast, talking about the shippo and uh, what they do in the process. So, Doug, you had a comment leading out of that last segment. Um, why don't you go ahead with that now? Yeah, well, it's a bit to answer the question that you had, Chris. And I think, I think the answer you'd find is there's almost 60 different answers to your question because <laughs> um, it's it's every state and every territory. And was it 59 different shippos? 59, yeah, and I don't I think there'd be some overlap but I think you'd end up with 50 different answers maybe maybe high 40s um with very little overlap cuz each one each state does it slightly different um with different organizations taking on the role of shippo different ways of running it um different methods I I'm not going to say that there's exactly 59 different ways of doing it, but I'm pretty sure we're close to that number. Um, I mean, you guys have worked mm-hmm. in different states and so f- and so forth. Have you not run into slightly different ways of doing things across different borders? Yeah, absolutely. There's, uh, I mean, just the simple fact that you know, when I've worked on the East Coast, uh, the shippo basically runs everything. You know, they're, they're who you talk to about stuff. But over here in Nevada, I have very little interaction with shippo because it's mostly BLM that I talk to. Um, you know, BLM archaeologists. So, I think that interaction between federal and state land and things like that is one aspect of how much how much a shippo, you know, interaction you have with them. But, uh, 
you know, other than that, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I mean, I, I'm sure they have different ways of, of keeping their records and recording. I've encountered that. Like when you have to do a record search in a state that has, you know, ship offices, the way that they store their stuff and, and that you access it is a little different. Maybe the process for getting site numbers from them, you know, what they require out of you for that, um, you know, that's, that can be a little different. I mean, essentially the processes are all basically the same though. They might just, they might just slightly have a different process to it based on what they have technology wise. Um, but, uh, they all have the same mandate. So they're all basically trying to do the same thing. You know, the ACHP doesn't say, uh, you know, you guys could all do it differently. Um, they all have the same goals in mind, I guess is what I'm saying, but they might come out about, come at it from a different direction. You know what I mean? Yeah. But in terms of like, what we're talking about funding and stuff like that, that would, that could be a huge, mm-hmm. quite variation across all the different states. Like they all have similar right. goals, but their methods, um, or, and especially, you know, how they get their funding. It may, every state has a slightly different way of doing, um, accounting and, you know, how they divvy mm-hmm. up money. And, you know, sometimes the money's ring fence, sometimes it's discretionary spending, you know, it just depends. So I think you'd, you'd end up with a lot of different answers. Yeah, that's true. And who knows, uh, you know, depending on where the funding comes from in the state, you know, what the political motivations are behind that as well. Um, you know, depending on where that money is actually coming from uh, and how it's how it's sourced, I guess. Anyway, um, any continuing thoughts on the uh, on the Shippo issue? I mean, you know, we've mostly been talking about hypotheticals, so uh, yeah. without any actual meat. Um, right. I, I will say that in, in the in the Minnesota case, it's kind of sparked off our hypothetical discussion. That mm-hmm. my if I were working there, I, I think my attitude would be more of a you know just keep marching the way you've always been marching and wait and see. You know, there are mm-hmm. going to be changes, obviously, because there are changes. Um, but the the level of effects of them are, you know, undetermined at this point. And, and I, I don't see a lot of utility in hand-wringing over what may be. Well, uh, let's move on then. Um, I have one more thing I want to talk to you guys about uh, specifically. And we'll just see... Um, just see what you say about it. The uh, every time we have a discussion on Facebook uh, regarding something, <laughs> something to do with archaeology, and somebody mentions archaeology or CRM archaeology in particular uh, on the Minnesota discussion, uh, somebody mentioned, you know, oh, all archaeology is going to stop and blah 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 and all this stuff. But anyway, Tom King, uh, you know, well-known author on the regulatory process, uh, Tom King always steps in and says something to the effect of, um, you know, why is this all about archaeology? You know, it's not all about archaeology. And I try to say, you know, it depends on your frame of reference on when we say CRM archaeology. I mean, for Christ's sake, this is the CRM archaeology podcast, which Tom King was one of our first guests on this show. And uh, he had a problem with it back then. I was calling it the CRM archaeology prog- uh, podcast because, you know, cultural resources management is not all about archaeology. There's no mandate to do archaeology in any of the federal regulations. There's a mandate to assess the effects of the undertaking on the properties, right? The historic properties. So uh, sometimes that means archaeology. But I guess my point with this whole thing is I just want to say for the record that whenever I say CRM archaeology, I am usually specifically referring to the archaeological aspect of CRM, fully understanding that cultural resource management 
management doesn't always mean archaeology. <laughs> so do you guys have this this issue? Um, you know, do you think Tom King is just being a little bit nitpicky with this or does he have a point? Should we refer to CRM in a broader sense rather than just archaeology, even amongst our peers and colleagues when we're talking on an archaeological forum about CRM archaeology? What do you guys think? Or am I just blowing this out of proportion? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think um, <laughs> the answer to all of your questions are yes. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, Tom is, I mean, Tom is Tom and, and he, he, I always referred to him as kind of lawyer-esque, um, which, which I can appreciate, you know, that he's uh, very, he tends to be, or tries to be very precise in the terms that he uses. Um, I, I think he's also correct that, um, you know, there's more to CRM than just archaeology. Uh -huh. And, you know, conversely, I, I think it's also correct to say that there's more to archaeology than just CRM. And, and you know, mm -hmm. and, and I, I feel that the, the CRM people, you know, the CRM archaeologists, um, massive misnomer <laughs> that it is, um, you know, are, are doing a large disservice um, by, you know, to both sides of that argument. Um, that you know, we're the ones who are like, well, we're the we're the ones doing the field work, and it's like, yeah, but archaeology isn't just field work, right? Mm -hmm. That that you know, like, there's a whole larger aspect to archaeology than just doing field work. Even within within the CRM framework, there's you know, like you know, the the field work is is like the data collecting stage of you know, any research or, um, and I'm trying to think of a good, good expression for, for, um, the review process, but you know, like mm -hmm. that, that, that's just the boots on the ground. Like, you know, it's not the field work that determines whether something's eligible or not. I mean, it gives right. data to make those determinations. It, it gives the data to, you know, identify whether there are physical properties out there that ought to be, you know, excavated uh, avoided, um, otherwise mitigated, capped, you know, whatever it is. Um, but, but I think that, you know, because we're so fieldwork centric that we tend to write off all, all of the other archaeologies that are out there. Right. Um, you know, and, and then conversely, because we are so, we, we tend to, you know, keep the blinders on and focus, you know, like, again, it's, it's like, well, you know, I don't care about historic structures or, you know, other things. Um, and and I, I think that the way that we, you know, perceive that, like, it's like, I don't, you know, you know, you get archaeologists, like, I don't want to deal with other types of properties. And, and mm -hmm. on the one hand, fair, I mean, we're not trained in that, right? It's like, you know, I mean, I mean trying to, um, trying to think about, like, Oh, uh, how many, how many sashes a window has, or, you know, what exactly is a sash? And if it's just, you know, like the, the plastic strip that's like taped to the, to the window, does that count as a sash or is that all, you know, like, like architecture things? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not right. an architecture. Um, I'm not an architect or an architectural historian. Um, right. And, and I, I think I've mentioned this in the past, but I think we really ought to do, uh, architectural history show for archaeologists. Uh, that mm -hmm. would be a great episode idea. 
part of that, I think, is the way that the process is set up, is that we kind of divorce out the various uh, criteria for the National Register or, you know, like up here in Canada, it's, it's a different process. But archaeology is divorced from somewhat divorced from structures and somewhat divorced from traditional properties, uh, mm-hmm. sacred sites. Um, and, and I think that we need to start thinking more about, you know, like the past from a holistic perspective, mm-hmm. um, that we, we need to start, you know, like the past is the past and we all work in the past. So, you know, we need to start coming up with better processes for, um, you know, like how do we incorporate all of this? You know, do, do we start having an architectural historian on the field? Do we get more training for the archaeologists to identify important, um, you know, extant structures? Mm-hmm. You know, what do we do? Well, let's, uh, let's get another opinion on this since we're running short on time here. Doug, what do you think about all this? I agree with uh, Stephen. Um, I think we've, unfortunately, archaeology, we basically got sort of somewhat defined 200 years ago when people started first using the term archaeology. Um, I, I, I would think we should be more holistic in what we do. And I think archaeology is moving that way in general. Um, it's a bit harder with CRM in that the laws were written, you know, 40 years ago and we, yeah, I, I think CRM archeology span is not the only type of archeology span we could do and we should be more broad in what we do. And I, I think archeology span has changed a lot in the last 40 years um, and how we should do CRM should change to reflect mm-hmm. that. And I also, I guess I'm more of a opinion of a lumper than a splitter in that, all right, if Tom King has an issue with, you know, archeology span not being CRM, I don't see anything wrong with archaeology moving towards being more holistic and being more about CRM, where it's not just about the artifacts in the ground, but you're also looking at, I mean, if you take historical archaeology as an example, that's a lot about looking at records and the historical and the archaeological record. You know, you're looking at written records and the archaeological record. I like that holistic approach, um, but I also think, I think, Tom King has also talked about, you know, well, how, how do you talk about religion and people's, you know, views of a landscape? And I do think that should be something that archaeology tackles as well and that we shouldn't be pinned down to just the people who dig in the dirt. And so mm-hmm. I would I would hope that CRM archaeology becomes CRM in a sense and that we definitely branch out more and look at more things that just aren't buried um, in our narrow little focus. Um, but that's just my personal opinion. And so Mm -hmm. I guess we could quibble over, you know, definitions, but I think it's more important to to discuss what direction we want to be going in instead of, you know, how we should define that, uh, as it currently is, but that's just my opinion. Indeed. Uh, and, and those are all great opinions. I think, um, I think personally that this all got wrapped up and we call it CRM archaeology. Well, for two reasons from my standpoint. One is archaeologists 
took up the mantle of of handling, um, you know, basically CRM as we know it uh, back in the 70s uh, and 80s. Once that, you know, all these firms started getting built up as they came out of the university systems and those projects, those development projects were were done by archaeologists. So um, lumping that term CRM archaeology and everything we do. I mean, hell, half the companies in the uh, in the in the country have archaeology in their title. <laughs> so, you know, they're they're not saying that we just do archaeology. I think they're just acknowledging who's doing the work and 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 maybe not broadening it out from the basic definition of archaeology, digging in the dirt and and doing that science to, you know, the entire process. I personally I've thought about changing the name of this podcast from the CRM Archaeology Podcast. However, there's a fundamental problem with that in that CRM has multiple definitions in the world. Um, it's mostly well known as customer resource management. Uh, the CRM, there's plenty of CRM programs out there that mean customer resource management for you know dealing with that. There's also uh, cockpit or crew resource management from flying. And if we just called it the CRM podcast or something like that, then we might get we might get more listeners actually, but we might yeah, get the wrong listeners. Diversify <laughs> the uh, listener base. So. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, I, I totally count on the fact that every every time I tweet something with a tag like CRM or, or something like that, I, I get a ton of like culture, uh, customer resource management, uh, you know, followers. And, and it's like, that, that's great. You know, mm -hmm. it's an opportunity for them to learn about archaeology. Yeah, indeed. I, I'm all for it. Um, anyway, that's why that's what I think about it. You know, we just we've 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 come up as archaeologists and. To put one more point on this, which I mentioned to Tom in in that post about the Minnesota Shippo, actually, he he brought up why is this you know archaeology? Why does that have anything to do with it? Why isn't it the broader the broader term here? I basically just told him to kind of hopefully shut that down a little bit. Is you talk to your audience, and he's we're posting on the North American Archaeological uh, uh, Tech Forum, uh, the Archaeo Field Techs. When you're talking at the field tech level. They probably are archaeologists just doing archaeology. You know, field techs aren't generally doing more beyond that unless they're asked to do that, right? They're doing actual archaeology. They're surveying. They're digging. That's their life. That's what they're doing, right? So they are archaeologists doing archaeology, the archaeology part of CRM. So in that group, it's appropriate to say CRM archaeology. If I'm having a discussion on the CRM project managers group... Maybe I don't call it CRM archaeology. Maybe I call it CRM or environmental compliance or something, uh, something a little more broader term, if that's in fact what I'm talking about, because I'm talking to people who are involved with that part of the process. So I think it's totally appropriate to say CRM archaeology in those two particular groups and in any situation where you're talking specifically to archaeologists about archaeological concerns. Um now, that being said, the whole post was presented as a problem for archaeology, whereas if we lose the shippo or the shippo has a problem that has broader implications than obviously just archaeology, as we've been discussing for the last hour. So anyway, um, I'm sure we'll get many opinions on this if people listen to this episode and, and uh, we post it in those archaeology groups, just pointing that out. They get posted in Archaeofield Techs almost every time. Um, sometimes I'll post it in the other one as well, but usually Archaeofield Techs will post this. So. Send us your thoughts and uh, and questions and concerns on this. I want to know what people think 
would really happen in a shippo-less world, to go back to the first topic. And uh, and do you think, uh, what do you think about the term CRM archaeology? We always hear Tom's opinions on it, but I want to hear everyone else's opinions on it. You know, what do you think about this? What should we do going forward for the image of our field and what people think about us when we say CRM archaeology? Or should we come up with something else? We can't just say CRM. I, I fully believe that. There's too confusing in the broader sense of the internet and the world. CRM has other meanings. Uh, even though we were probably here first from that standpoint. Uh, well, actually, aviation was probably there first from cockpit or crew resource management. That's been a term for a really long time. Uh, and then I would be willing to bet cultural resource management would be the next one. And then customer resource management has become huge in the age of the Internet uh, and the programs that help manage that. So anyway, that's uh, about all we have for today. So. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back next time. This, if I'm not mistaken, is the last episode. Yeah, actually, looking at my calendar, this is the last episode for 2017. Uh, the next episode will come out right in the beginning of January uh, for 2018. So thanks to everybody who uh, listened to all our episodes in 2017, and I'm sure we'll have more great comment content on the CRM Archaeology Podcast for <laughs> 2018. And we won't. We promise not to just talk about archaeology. We'll uh, we'll broaden our scope a little bit, like we did with this one. So. All right. Thanks, everybody. And uh, one last thing, of course, as we move into 2018, I've still got a call out for, um, you know, keeping the co-host pool fresh and uh, and entertaining. Not that you guys are stale and non-entertaining. I'm just kidding. Um, but I'm always looking for other people to come in and co-host the show so we can bring in new pr- opinions and perspectives. So if you're interested in doing that, even on an occasional basis, let me know. Chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com and, uh, and we'll do it. Thanks a lot. That's it for another episode of the CRM Archaeology Podcast. Links to some of the items mentioned on the show are in the show notes for this podcast, which can be found at www.archpodnet.com slash podcast. Please comment and share anywhere you see the show. If you'd like us to answer a question on a future episode, email us. Use the contact form on the website or just email chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Support the show and the network at arcpodnet.com slash members. Get some swag and extra content while you're there. Send us show suggestions and interview suggestions. We want this to be a resource for field technicians everywhere, and we want to know what you want to know about. Thanks to everyone for joining me this week. Thanks also to the listeners for tuning in, and we'll see you in the field. Goodbye. Bye. He's even muted his microphone, and he's counting down. I'm just, I'm just down. doing this for our listeners. Counting down in our chat. Doug is to his uh, to his eventual goodbye. (laughs) What is this? The New Year's? Goodbye, everyone. (laughs) Jesus, that was something special there. This show was produced by Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle and was edited by Chris Webster. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Thanks again for listening to this episode and for supporting the Archaeology Podcast Network. If you want these shows to keep going, consider becoming a member for just $7.99 US dollars a month. That's cheaper than a venti quad eggnog latte. Go to archpodnet.com slash members for more info.